Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Is everyone cool or hot? In between, yeah. Okay, yesterday was absolutely terrible. It was hot. The sun was out. It was muggy in here, um, humid, and I felt bad because I felt like everyone was falling asleep, not because of the sermon, but because of the heat. <laughs> Maybe it was because of the sermon. Hopefully, I, I don't bore you this, this morning, but um, I'm going to move this because the fan is blowing a little bit. I appreciate the fan. I appreciate the fan. It's so amazing to be here in the house of the Lord this morning to bring forth the word, and it's, it's such a privilege to to grow up in the church and then to be able to preach the word. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Eskai Roshito. I'm a pastoral assistant here. Um, and I, I'm so excited for, for the next couple of weeks because for the next couple of weeks, you guys are stuck with me <laughs> preaching. <laughs> and it's going to be absolutely amazing, absolutely great. We're going to have a fun time. We're, we are taking a break from where we were through the Bible. We're, we're actually jumping ahead passing through uh, the rest of the Old Testament, past the prophets, past the gospel, past Acts, past Romans, and we're going all the way to 1 Peter. Then after I'm gone, then you guys will be back. Don't worry. We'll, go, we'll continue to go through the Bible. But we're going to talk about something that God's put onto my heart. Uh, the, the title for today is The Call to Be holy, the call to be holy. I'm not going to immediately uh, define what it means to be holy, and that will be at the end of the sermon, and you'll, you'll see why. But we're going to first talk about what Peter is doing, who he's writing to, and why he's writing. So first off, Peter is writing to a group of Christians who are in the province of Asia Minor, or what would be known as uh, modern-day Turkey. It says here he, uh, he's talking to the dispersion in, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And I think we have a little map here to, to kind of show kind of like the area. There it is. See, we, we see Pontus right there in the corner, Cappadocia, Galatia, Bithynia. It looks amazing, absolutely. And so he is writing to all these Christians in that little area. Kind of looks like, kind of looks like a little glove. So he's writing to all these Christians. Why, why is he writing to all these Christians? Well, I want to first uh, inform you that whenever we read a letter, we are reading a one-sided conversation. It's like if we're on the phone and you have someone in the room who's listening to your conversation and, you know, they, they might think that you guys are having an argument, but you just you hang up the phone and you're like, oh, no, it's, it's totally fine. We see that they're having a one-sided, we're, we're seeing a one-sided conversation. So the Christians who are in this area, they are reaching out to this leader, to, to Peter, and they're, they're asking for some type of help, some type of encouragement, because what, what they're dealing with is persecution. They're dealing with suffering. Suffering from their neighbors, suffering from everyone around them. I think and if, we, if we look at this group of people, don't think of a small little town or village, but think more like if we think of Plymouth or, or Manomet or uh, Chiltonville, don't think on that level. Think of more like counties like Plymouth County, Bristol County, Dukes County, Barnstable, right? He's 
talking to all these Christians who are spread out in great distance. And they're all dealing with some form of suffering throughout. I think if we think today as, as Christians how we suffer, we, we might not necessarily think of this, but yeah, the church is actually being persecuted. We, we see in society how actually in, in America, Christianity has, has gone down and soon we'll become the minority. We also see in schools how, how we can't even talk about Christmas as much. We, we can't even really say Jesus or anything. And those who are, who are Christians, they suffer whatever type of consequences. And we all, we all suffer as, as Christians some, somewhere in life, all right? As we look at First Peter as a book as a whole, one of the overall teachings that we see is that he's teaching us how to be a righteous person, how to be a Christian while experiencing these sufferings. Half of it, a part of it is talking about holiness in our lives and how to live holy. Then he's also showing us and teaching us the actions of a child of God. Now, here at Faith Community Church, whenever, I think whenever we preach, I know Pastor Stan loves to tell stories. Pastor David, he loves his movies. And here, we're, we're going to do a movie as well. For some of you, if you, you might not know this movie, that's okay. We're going to learn a thing or two today, so we'll, we'll teach you about this movie. And for everyone else who's seen this movie, it's just a review. But I'm going to be talking about, who's this? What is this? The Karate Kid. Who's seen the movie The Karate Kid? All right, that's awesome. Who hasn't seen the movie The Karate Kid? Oh my goodness, you got it's. Um, that's sad. It's okay. That, this isn't my generation either. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just messing with you. That's all right. We'll have a watch party sometime. We'll have a watch party. All right. There, there's a central debate. There's a central debate. So, how many of you like the original, the original Karate Kid? If we can have that slide too. Yep, there's the original. All right, so y'all liked the original. How many of you liked the, the newer version? There's one, two, boo, I have a boo over here. Okay, uh, we, have, we got two in the back, that's all right. So this is, this is more my generation, I'll, I'll have to admit. I have to admit, uh, the, the Saturday service voted in favor of the old original one. The lawn chair service also voted for the 1984 one. That's good, and you guys also did the same, the most of you guys. If it was the other one, I would not be having a sermon this morning. So we're going to be talking and, and using this as an illustration. So, the Karate Kid. This kid named Danielson, as we all know him to be, Danielson and Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi or, or Mr. Miyashi, as, as Daniel says. We see this kid who comes from New Jersey and travels all to a, a, to a new different land. What's, what's this land called? Who said it? California. California, yeah. A new different land, right? To totally different from New Jersey, right? He moves to, to California and has this totally life change. Life gets flipped upside down. He moves to a new place, to a new school. 
and he, he has this experience with, with some bullies. He's different, not like any, any of these other kids. No support, he has his mother, but there's really no support for him besides his mom, and then later on what we'll see is, is Mr. Miyagi, who will train him and discipline him. But what does this mean for what we're talking about today and what we're learning about today? Well, the big idea and the theological grounding that we have is we can choose to be holy as Christians. We can choose to be holy as Christians. And if you don't see the parallel yet, that's totally fine. We're going to talk about it. We can choose to be holy as Christians where we are, even in this day and age. So we need to, we need to know where we, where we can start. Well, first off, we need to know that we are meant for holiness. We are meant for holiness. And in verse 1 and 2, it says, To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. First off, he's talking to these Christians who are scattered across all this, this land. They might feel as though that they're totally separated from society. Here we see the, the, Greek, the, the word elect exiles. Elect exiles. What the Greek here is saying is eklektos, what means to select or choose, and this is implying some form of favor towards. Now, how many of you would choose or want to be chosen to be exiles from your own community? I think I kind of think of like if, if you're ever in school, and this is this is not my generation, but if you were ever in school and you were, got sent to the corner and you had to have like that little hat on your head, you were exiled from the from the class, right? Because you misbehave or you did something that the teacher didn't like, right? No one wants to be exiles. No one wants to be separated from the class. And there's some teachers over here too, so I don't know if you guys ever did any of that. Ho hopefully not. Ho hopefully there's grace for those, those children. No, <laughs> only kidding. They were totally apart from their society, from their community. Even though they were living in their own homes, they felt as though that they weren't at home. Because what society said was, we don't like you Christians, we don't like what you guys stand for, we don't like how you guys are peaceful, we don't like how you, know, you serve this one God who redeems you. And so what the Christians of this time experienced was some form of suffering, some type of abuse, verbal abuse, from everyone in their community. If you became a Christian, maybe you experienced, maybe they experienced from their own families. They changed their whole, their lives from what their parents believed to now they're Christians and now their families kicked them out or whatever and they experienced some type of suffering. Maybe in the workplace they experienced some type of suffering. 
we also see that, it, that this word dispersion, that Peter uses this word dispersion. And, and I, I like to think of this example. If you have a bag of seeds, go into your bag of seeds, and you scatter them everywhere, then they might not fall close to each other or clump together, but they're separate and apart. These Christians feel like they're totally on their own. They feel like they have no support whatsoever. They're far and separated. Far and separated. But what Peter does is he sends this letter back to them as a means of encouragement in spite of what they're going through. He tries to encourage them and changes their focus from what they're suffering to Jesus. Even though they're suffering through this trials and tribulations, he tries to encourage them and say, listen, think of this hope that we have. This hope is, is to be with, with Christ, to be with God, to, to dwell in his presence, to, to live free from sin. In the movie The Karate Kid, Daniel is totally on his own. Totally on his own. In a new place, new society, new school, whole lot of bullies that he kind of gets himself into, you know, he kind of gets himself into a mess. There's this young girl that he meets and this, this bully named Johnny. And what ends up happening is Daniel gets beaten up, then he gets beaten up again. He kinda, it's kind of like a cycle here. He keeps on getting beaten up by these guys and gets into trouble with, uh, with the bullies. And then what ends up happen, happening is this one night, he's, he's at school, and he's at this, this Halloween party at, at school, and he tries to, to fight, he tries to fight the, the bullies. He trips, he trips them as they're, as they're uh, coming out of, of the, the, the hall that, that they're in, and he runs for the hills, and he tries to get back to, to his house. And then what happens is, who knows what happens? Who comes into the who comes into play? Who? Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi, right? We see he climbs up over the fence and he jumps down, right? And he starts fighting fighting these young kids. Number one, that's that's pretty cool that he's this old older guy is is jumping over a fence at, at his age and comes in and fights all these kids. That's just that's just pretty cool, right? So Mr. Miyagi comes in and saves him. What ends up happening is that he, he kind of loses consciousness and he, Mr. Miyagi carries him and brings him back to health and brings him back to his full self. And, and Daniel wakes up and he sees Mr. Miyagi and he's, he's like, Mr. Miyagi, I need to learn from you. I need to learn from you. Mr. Miyashi, Mr. Miyashi. No, it's Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi, right? He, he, he tries to correct him. And all this time, Daniel keeps on saying, like, I just want to learn because these guys are bullying me and they keep on fighting me. I need to fight back. I need to fight back. I need to fight back. And Mr. Miyagi was very reluctant to teach him because of this, because that's not what karate was. That's, that's not what it is. It's about discipline. It's about self-control. You know, maybe the, the Christians in, the old te in, um, in Peter's time, 
Maybe what they wanted to do was fight back. Sometimes it seems like that's, that's so easy to do, to fight back. That's actually, the, it, it's, it's hard to, to do what, what is, is right, and that's to be peaceful, to be self-controlled, right? And so after, you know, this back and forth of Daniel, you know, asking Mr. Miyagi to, to teach him so that he can learn some martial arts, Mr. Miyagi decides, you know what, yes, I'll teach you. All right, all right, all right, I'll teach you. I'll teach you. And so how, how does this parallel? You know, God chooses Christians. He chooses them. He sees us. He recognizes us. But it's because of our hearts. You know, we have this desire to get to know him. And he looks, us, he looks at us and he says, that's my child. That's my son. He adopts us, right? He adopts us into his family, into his great family. But he also calls us into not to get into a relationship for our own selves, like Daniel, he was trying to learn martial arts so that he can fight the bullies and you know, be the, you know, the hero or whatever. I mean, he still turns out to be the hero at the end, but God calls us to, to display what it means to be holy and to image his characteristics. You know, God, in, in, uh, in what Jesus does in the Great Commission, he calls, he calls Christians to go and make disciples, to go into all the world and to make more and more disciples, and more and more disciples, and more and more disciples, to continue this process of learning how to image Christ, teaching someone else how to learning to learn how to image Christ, to teach someone else and teach someone else. But it's hard. it's hard. And what happens, what we also see in Acts is what I what I'm kind of dubbing as the great empowering is Christ sends his Holy Spirit down to encourage people as they're going through this process, as they're going through this, this learning how to be disciplined, self-controlled. So how do we learn how to be holy? Well, we need to surround ourselves with those who, are, who walk out holiness. Surround yourself with those who walk out holiness. In verse 10 through 12, it says, Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you not themselves, but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which angels long to look. Things to which angels long to look. I love what this scripture is saying because in, in the Old Testament, we see that prophets were prophesying who the Messiah was going to be. 
they didn't necessarily know when he was going to come, how he was going to come. Some of them wanted him to come, you know, riding on the clouds, you know, and come in and, and take, especially during Christ's time, to, to take over the Roman Empire, right? No one knew when. But it wasn't for them. It was, they, they carried this, this knowledge of who the Messiah was through visions and stuff, and they passed it down from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation. Not only did the early church have each other, and those, the, the church, what it would look like was more like home groups, small, small little gatherings where they'd gather in homes. How many of you are a part of home groups? I see a few hands back there. Absolutely amazing. This might be a small little plug, but home groups are absolutely amazing to, to get to know one another and to, to learn about who Christ is. And if you're not a part of a home group, or, and if you want to start a home group, we got some amazing pastors here. We have Pastor David and Pastor Stan. But the whole idea of, of, this, of these home groups is to go into your communities, to go into your neighborhoods, and to, to spread the good news to your neighbors who Christ is. Not just to the people who are here at this church. That's amazing that people in our own church come to the home groups, but it's meant so that we can spread out into all the different neighbors, all, all the different neighborhoods. So not only did they have their own little home groups, they had leaders such as the apostles, such as Peter, John, James, Paul, encouraging them as they went through their trials and tribulations. They had also the writings from the Old Testament of who the Messiah was going to be, who this person was going to be, and that's Jesus. That was Jesus. And so Peter is reminding them of this so that they can, so that he can show them that, listen, I know it's hard, but remember who you are and whose you are. It was written long ago of who the Messiah was going to be. And now you are being able to experience the glories of Christ coming, dying for us, and raising from the dead, and him sending his Holy Spirit down on you. And we too are experiencing that. We are able to experience that, the Holy Spirit coming and changing our lives, encouraging us, giving us hope. The prophets prophesied about the grace to come without fully knowing when the manifestation of the Messiah was to be ushered into the earth. As generation after generation passed, each was taught of what was to come. We come to Jesus dying on the cross and the salvation and grace that was meant for you. And for you, and for you, and for you, and for the person next to you, person to your left, to your right, for everyone. In our movie, we see that, that Daniel wants to learn from Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi kind of tells of, of the, in, in, a, you know, in a few minutes, he tells him you know, the history of, of karate. He says, I learned from my father who learned from his father. And he basically says, my, my family basically took what they learned from China, which was a different martial arts, and we made it our own. And here on Okinawa, we, we uh, 
we made it to be karate. And so, if we go to Mr. Miyagi's father, Mr. Miyagi's father didn't know that Daniel was going to come into the picture. Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi's father didn't know that how important it was to teach his son the disciplines of martial arts because he didn't know that one day that teaching would help Mr. Miyagi and then Mr. Miyagi would help a boy who was suffering, a boy who was besides himself, a boy who wanted to run away from the world. And I think over my life and I think of the people who, who have impacted me and who have taught me how to be a Christian, how to be holy, people like Meme, my grandmother, who was, an, who, was, who was an evangelist who went all over the country preaching the good news. I think of people like Reverend Williams, who I grew up with in my, in my old church back in Brockton, and who, who taught what it meant to be a Christian. And, and I felt back, back in that time, he, he taught as if like he was teaching a seminary class. So when I, I was a younger kid, I was hearing basically what was like a seminary class. And it taught me how to be disciplined and how to be a Christian at such a young age. And my meme, she would always watch Bishop T.D. Jakes, who would teach of how to be a Christian and how to persevere through struggles. And I think today, of who I'm surrounded by, who encourages me to keep on going in the faith. I think of my parents, my mom, my dad, my pastors, Pastor Stan, Pastor David. I think of my brochure guys and how they encourage me to keep on going in the faith. And I think of one, one brochure guy in particular who had a total life change total life change. Someone who was aggressive, who said everything under the sun that we can't say here in church. You know, God was, was aggressive, gave another kid a concussion. Totally, totally aggressive. But after seeing how God has been working in his life, how God has transformed him. He's now someone who is peaceful. And when you look at him, you will never expect that that's how he was when he was younger. In a million years, you would look at this person, you would say, wow, this is an amazing change. That's what happens when we surround ourselves with people who display what it means to be holy. So who are some people in your life who have represented what it means to be a Christian? Think for a moment. Maybe a mom, your dad, maybe a grandparent, maybe a friend. And if you don't have anyone who has, who has been that representation for you, find someone. Find someone here, get to know them, and let there be some form of discipleship and learn how to be holy. Because I'll be honest, it's not, it's not easy living in this world where there's a bunch of chaos going on. You know, you turn on the news, you hear of how much chaos there is. 
but as Christians, we're, we're able to have an impact and we're able to have some form of healing in this world. God calls us to go into all the world to make more disciples, right? Like I said, we are able to take part in this healing and to help with defending against the struggles that people face. Don't surround yourself with all the, all the anxieties of this world. Don't surround yourself with everything that's just going to turn your focus away from, from God. But surround yourself. Surround, surround yourself with God. Get into the Word. Surround yourself with people who are going to lead you to Christ. People who are going to help you with, with discipline. So you might say, I know, I know what it means to be a Christian. I know, I suppose I, I know how to live holy. I've, I've heard of it, you know, but, you know, I might, I might think of, you know, Mother Teresa or, or, I don't know, maybe a pope or something like that and think you're too far from, from ever being holy. You know, you think of all these, these great examples. I mean, Peter, I mean, Peter, the, the person who knew, who knew Jesus, the person who, who walked on water, like, I mean, we look at someone like them, we're like, how can I ever, you know, compare to, to this great, amazing guy, right? I definitely won't be able to walk on water, right? But that's, that's not the point. But what, what we're able to do is we're able to be holy, just like how Peter lived out holy, right? And if we, quite honestly, if we look at his life, he denied Christ three times. And so God, God still called him to this great ministry, Right? So despite, you know, what your life looked like, maybe what it looks like now, you can still be holy. You can still be holy. So what should we do now? Take action and live holy. Take action and live holy. In verse 13 through 16, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, here's, here's the definition of what it means to be holiness. Are you guys with me? I waited to the end because, you know, sometimes we, we, you might doze off, especially in this seat, right? So here, here's the definition, okay? Y'all ready? Y'all with me? It comes from the Greek word hagios, which means to be different, to be set apart, and ultimately to have the likeness of the Lord, have the characteristics of, of Christ, to be different, pulled apart from what the rest of society looks like. I also want to go back to the scripture, and if you have, you know, your paper Bible, if you have your, your cell phone Bible, pocket Bible, you can highlight in there. I want you to highlight preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Now, this word, this phrase here, preparing your minds for action, what it could also say is girding up, gird up, right? Gird up. 
as if like you're pulling up a you know belt, strapping it on, and stuff like that. Okay, that's a that's an old century term, which I think what what we would say is you know time to roll up the sleeves and do the hard work, right? Time to roll up your sleeves and do the hard work. So when it says preparing your minds for action, well, it's time to to do the hard work and deal with some stuff in our lives, right? Deal with the stuff in our lives. And then what it says is be sober-minded. It's saying not to be poorly influenced. Not to be poorly influenced. And if you think of what alcohol does to the body, what it does, it intoxicates us. And then what happens is if, we're, if someone were ever to get drunk is that they can lose control of what they say and what they do, and then they act all types of, of crazy, right? So what, what Peter is saying, be sober-minded. Don't allow for the, the passions of the flesh to control you. And don't let the anxieties of the world control you. Don't let the fears of this world control you. Don't let anger control you. Be sober-minded. Be of a clear mind. Be of a clear mind. So we go back to, to our, our friend Daniel's son here. Daniel's son, he trains. And we all, for those of you who know this movie, what's the, what's the famous phrase? Oh, you guys sound so tired and boring. Oh, my goodness. What, what, is, what does it say? Oh, it sounds like, a, yes, you guys are having much more fun. Wax on and wax off. Mr. Miyagi, he, he teaches Daniel how to clean a car. And Daniel, after Mr. Miyagi says, wax on, wax off, you know, clean, you know, you have to wax, use the wax, and then you have to take the wax off. Daniel goes ahead and goes, and he starts going crazy on the car. And Mr. Miyagi's like, yeah, 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 no, no, no. Wax on, then wax off. Wax on, wax off. Do, okay? What, what, Daniel, what Daniel is doing is he's just trying to clean as quick as possible and get, get done with the car and get, move on to the next car because I think Mr. Miyagi had about like, I don't know, 7, 10, 13, 14 cars. It was, it was crazy how many cars he had. And Daniel was just trying to go quickly, go through, go through all the cars, not really deal with all the dirt and grime that's on the car. Well, how, how often is that like, is, do we do that in our own lives? Issues come up. And it's so easy to put blinders, blinders up and to ignore it. Maybe somewhat deal with it, might say something about it, but we don't. Just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. But to take action, to be sober-minded, to gird up, and to, to do the hard work, it, it does, it, that is a call to, to do the hard work in, in our lives. A part of being holy, that's, that's, what, that's what we're called to, to do, to deal with the issues in our lives, to deal with everything. Now, Daniel, when Mr. Miyagi was teaching this, he, he, the, it, it probably had to be like a, a week in the movie, in the span of a movie, uh, I don't know, it was probably like a few scenes, but Daniel will keep on coming back, clean these cars, he'll leave, he'll say, he'll say Mr. Miyagi, I'm all done with, with these cars, when, when can I learn karate? He'll say, come back tomorrow. He'll be like, what? I just spent all this time uh, on these cars, 
and uh, wh what am I getting out of this? He comes back, does the same thing that he might paint, right? We see a scene where he's, where he, where he's painting. Then he asks Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi, when am I going to learn? When am I going to, you know, practice karate? And then he gets to the end of himself and he's like, Mr. Miyagi, I've had enough. You're, you're not a great martial arts te teacher. You don't know karate. And Mr. Miyagi says, Daniel, son. He says, come here, turn around. <laughs> I love Mr. Miyagi. I love, I love his voice. And Mr. Miyagi proceeds to punch him. And Daniel does the wax, wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. And then he does the move with the, the paintbrush for like if he was to kick, right? It's a, it's a great movie. It's a really great movie. <laughs> and all that, that discipline that he was learning, all that practicing of waxing on, waxing off, even though it seemed like tedious work, it was actually meant for something. It was meant so that he, he learns, and then he used what he learns. And then later on, what we'll see is he goes to compete. Now, this is a guy, he's basically like a one-man team. And he goes and fight all, he fights all these other guys. He competes all, uh, against all, you know, he competes against the bullies. I think it's, what's, what's the school called? Ka uh, Cobra? Cobra Kai? Is that, is that the, the one? Um, what is it? Cobra Kai. There we go. Cobra Kai. And he, he fights all these, these Cobra Kai guys, and one of them breaks his leg. Breaks his leg, and he feels totally defeated. He feels as though, like, man, I can't, I can't go on, I can't go on. Man, my, my leg is broken. I'm, I'm done, I'm done. Then what Mr. Miyagi does is he says, no, you still, you still got some fight in you. You can still keep on going on. You can keep on going. You know, they have like a small little conversation in, in the back room. His, his mom and, and Ali are right there by, beside him. And that's like how the Holy Spirit you know, acts towards us. He's encouraging us. Even in the midst of this, in our suffering, he encourages us to keep on going. He encourages us to have a different perspective, how to be holy, right? To instead of looking at your circumstance and think it's all doom, he says, be encouraged, and you, you, can, have, you can keep on going. Go get, get up there and fight. And so we all, if, if you've seen the movie, you, you might see this, the crane move, right? He goes, and he ends, it and he jumps. I'm not going to do it for you, because I might break something. But <laughs> I'm not trained. I'm not trained in martial arts. He goes, and he, he, takes, he takes out the last guy, right? And this is, this is the guy, Johnny, who is the top, the top of the bullies, the, the boss of the bullies, I like to say, right? His adversary. And knocks him out. I like to use another example. And I got right here, if I can get out of my pocket, I got a little toothbrush. Y'all can see this toothbrush right here? If you can't, there's a toothbrush up there. Yeah, brushing your teeth. I just heard someone. That's great. What happens when you take a toothbrush, nothing on it, no, no toothpaste, no water, and you start brushing your teeth? What happens? Nothing. Nothing happens. All right, keep on doing that a whole month. What, what starts to happen? You get all this bacteria and grime that builds up. Totally disgusting, right? Yeah, it's disgusting stuff. You know, you're still doing the action. You're still, you know, trying to brush your teeth, but all you're doing is moving the mess 
around. And that's us a whole lot of times. We move the mess around. Not necessarily letting the Holy Spirit come in, not letting God come in and, and doing the work in us. You know, you can also equate it to, you know, doing good works. You know, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm great. I'm, I'm good. I'm doing, doing everything in life great. But you don't have God in your life. And nothing, you, you say that, you know, life is good, but life's a mess on the inside. It might look good on the outside, but it's a mess on the inside. So what must we do? We must take toothpaste, put it on, right, add a little water, and then start brushing. We start brushing, and then what happens? We get a nice minty breath, uh, and it's nice and fresh, right? Well, us doing the work, moving the toothbrush around, that's what we call consecration. We're comparing it to, to our life with Christ. It's consecration, us doing the work, adding and applying the toothpaste and the water. That's what cleanses the teeth, right? That's adding Christ into our lives. That's adding the Holy Spirit into our lives. And what happens? We are cleansed. So I'd like to ask you, are we actively seeking holiness? Are we actively trying to be different from what the rest of society is like? To be joyful, to be peaceful, to be self-controlled? What are we doing in our lives? Because I bet you there's a place where we still need to give to God, every single person. None of us is perfect. We, we, there's something there. There's something there. I like to challenge y'all to, to think about that. You know, a whole lot of times we come to church and we leave. Nothing changes. We come to church and we leave. And, you know, we mark it off on our calendar. We're great. We're, we're doing, you know, we're doing great things, right? We're just coming to church. But nothing changes. If that's, if that's what's happening, then we're missing out. We're missing out on the life-transforming power of Christ. Christ calls us to live differently, despite what we go through, despite our sufferings and trials. And yes, it, it is hard. Being a Christian doesn't mean that life is going to get easier whatsoever. But it means that we have this hope. We have this joy all in Christ.